the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Hey, I'm Robert Ingalls with Law Pods, podcast production for lawyers. I am in North Carolina, and you are listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Well, Tyson, I'm excited about our guest today. I'm excited about the topic. We are talking today about podcasting, which surprisingly, we haven't spent much time on our podcast talking about podcasting. So I'm excited to get started. I very much am so as well. So let me introduce our guest today. It's Robert Ingalls is a recovering attorney, professional speaker, and the founder of Law Pods, one of the first podcast production and marketing agencies for law firms at Law Pods. Robert and his team help some of the premier law firms in the world launch and grow branded podcasts that build relationships, boost SEO, it's important, and drive revenue. Robert, welcome to the show. Gentlemen, I am so happy to be here. And it always makes me happy when I'm on a podcast and I see sexy mics in the host's face. Like, it's a nice MV7 you got there. I like it. Very nice. Well, that's great. We had, I had somebody set it up and I like our mics. Tyson just got a new mic, so it, it definitely sounds better for both of us. Robert, why don't you tell us a little bit about your legal career and maybe how that led into the podcasting world? Yeah, I think the big takeaway is it was bad. And uh, I'm a much better podcaster. But I'm one of those people, I think, that went to law school for the wrong reasons. It was, I mean, as weird as this sounds, it seemed like the easy path. I went to school. I was pretty good at school. I went to more school. And then when I was done with school, it was like, well, let's go do some more school. That seems like a good idea. And I was always interested in the law. I was one of those kids that liked to argue. So grownups like to tell them they should be a lawyer. And I got through law school. I started practicing. I, I started out in criminal defense because I was very idealistic, like I think a lot of lawyers are. And I found out really quickly that that was not the place for me. I can't compartmentalize anything. Like I bring my whole me everywhere. And I would come home and just lay in bed at night, just not able to sleep based on the things I felt like I was doing. I felt like I was the bad guy in somebody's movie all the time. And so I kind of danced around into different things, uh, did some general litigation, really like trial. But I think that just speaks to me really liking when everyone shuts up and lets me talk for a while. And so finally, I started a family and realized I don't want to be this person. I'm stressed out. I'm overworked. I'm anxious all the time. And I had been doing a lot of marketing at the firm. I enjoyed that. 
So long story short, I grabbed a full-time job at a bank and started building this. I want to hear about just the uh, mental health standpoint of this. I guess, what was the tipping point for you where you're like, okay, I've got to prioritize my health? I mean, it's, I've told this story a lot, but it really does come down to six words. And those six words were, I want to have a baby. And I had been married just a few months. Maybe we would have a baby. Maybe we wouldn't. That was the pre-marriage conversation. And, and literally a few months after we got married, my wife walks in and says, I want to have a baby. And I said, when? And she said, now. And I said, like now? And she said, well, I've been taking my temperature and I think now is good. <laughs> and after I had a proper freak out, mostly unbeknownst to her, I just really started taking stock of my life and I didn't realize how bad my mental health had been at that point. And I started thinking someone might live here next year. I'm going to be their primary role model. I'm going to have to support them. And that really was the tipping point of me going, I can't do this. I can't be somebody's father and do this. And at that moment, I sat down and I made a list. I still have that list on my desktop that I made in 2015. And at the top of that list was money management because I was just terrible at money management. And that I read a book on it. That book said, listen to our podcast. That was the first podcast I ever listened to. And I bought this mic within 30 days. Thankfully, it worked out. It was not a cheap mic. But mental health is something that I really care deeply about. I've talked about it on mental health podcasts for bar associations. I, I give CLEs on it. It's something that lawyers really struggle with that I, uh, I definitely want to use this next part of my life to be a resource to help there. That's fun thinking about the first podcast we listened to. The first podcast I listened to was This Week in Google by a guy named Leo Laporte, who has a whole podcasting empire out in California, and he has a studio in his garage. And I was like, boy, it'd be nice to have a podcast one day. So it's great that you sort of swung into action. What did your spouse think about you wanting to give up the law to go do podcasting or other stuff? I mean, I'll tell you, she was incredibly supportive. It's not to say that she didn't kind of have an eyebrow arched at me, but she never said, don't do it. She never questioned. She never really came to me and said, I don't think you should do that because she married a lawyer. And like within just a few months, I was starting to completely divert my attention into other things. I went face first into podcasting. I loved it. And it's, I was had nights and weekends, I was recording with my friends, learning how to use mixing boards, just all in and was telling her right away, like, I don't think I want to practice law anymore. And she was so supportive, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. I mean, while reminding me that we were trying to have a baby and, but, and, and don't get me wrong, there were moments where we had to have some come to Jesus meetings. You know, there's one that sticks out in my mind is, I got a text from her. I know exactly where I was standing. And it said, what is a, a tax garnishment? And yeah, so my money management was so poor at that point. Her wages garnished for my unpaid tax bills. And she basically at that point was like, look, I know you're chasing your dreams and all of these things. And I want you to be happy, but we now have an infant. You got to get it together. And, and that's when I got the full-time job and said, okay, I'm going to pick one thing. Because I was kind of diversified. I hadn't chosen podcast production for lawyers at that moment. I had like five irons in the fire being super creative. And, but she was really, really supportive. And when I look around and I see other partners, I, I, I don't see that same level of support. So it's easy to take it for granted sometimes when you're not looking around, but yeah, just an incredible level of support when I realized what a big transition that was. So this next question is really for those people that have thought about 
exiting the law and moving into something else. And so, and it's, it's, I'm going to stick with the theme of really, you, you know, your wife married a lawyer, right? What did your colleagues, what did your friends, what did your family think about you leaving the law to focus on podcasting? And did you care? And if you did care, how'd you get past that? No, I, I, I tend not to like it when people say that's a good question, but it really is a good question. And it doesn't get asked to me a lot. And this won't be a surprise to lawyers, but a lot of my lawyer friends were not supportive. They thought it was insane. And, but that's who lawyers are. We think about risk first. The risk to, to most of them was like way, like just outside their level of understanding. Why would you leave something that you know works? And, and go into something that may not work at all. Like this may just be a flash in the pan. It may not be a long-term strategy to try to build a business around. But there was a couple that were really supportive. I'll name drop. Harrison Lord is a litigation attorney in Charlotte. And he's been my champion on this from day one. He helped me name the company. And just, there was a couple of them. Another one, my good friend, Josh Goodman, just another lawyer who just said, no, this is, I love it. I love it. He was one of the people recording with me at night, helping me learn how to use all the stuff, like, you know, kind of honing the craft. And there was a couple of them really were supportive. The lawyers in general were not. They thought it was crazy. They were telling me all the things that were going to go wrong because that's what lawyers do. And I love them. But my family was incredibly supportive. Uh, my mother mostly. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the prodigal son. I'm the only boy, four sisters. And my sisters will probably tell you that my mom is always supportive of me. You know, she helped me gather the funds to buy some of the equipment in the beginning because she believed in the dream. And so, which was incredible looking back again, that she wasn't like, wait, wait, I just helped you go to law school. And now you want to just throw all that away and go do this other fun thing. So super supportive. And my stepdad just reached the moment in time about a year ago where he stopped going. So how's the, uh, the little podcast thing going? You know, he's finally past that where he's like, oh, wait, this is actually a legitimate business. Um, you know, my family, my family's been in accounting my whole life. So they, you know, they see the numbers. My sister does my books. And so I think that it made it back to him that I'm making, you know, more money than I ever was as, as a lawyer. So that I think that helped him go, OK, this is a real thing. All right. It, it reminds me of, of Seinfeld whenever Jerry's parents were always like, like trying to give him money. And he's like, I'm doing well. Like I'm doing well. Quit. And then he, you know, bought his dad a car and everything. So it kind of reminds me of that. Exactly. Because it's, it's something that they don't necessarily understand. They don't see how do you do that thing and then turn that into money. All right. I want to shift gears in a second and get to how podcasting can actually help law firm owners. But I did want to make one little point to your point about leaving the law. And, you know, I left the Catholic church. And I had a me too. I had a huge, uh, <laughs> varied response from all different people. And where I settled was that the people who were cool and comfortable with me leaving the church were cool and comfortable in their own skin. It, it, but the way people reacted was much more about how they are. So, if they're lawyers who freaked out because you left the law, that's probably because they're feeling a little shaky themselves in the law. So I'll just throw out that that out there. But I do want to get to the podcasting issue. And I'm sort of intrigued by this idea that everyday lawyers can do a podcast, not like Tyson and I do about running a law firm or marketing, but rather about their practice area and to make it interesting enough that people would want to listen. So what can you tell us about that, Robert? Sure. One of the, my biggest obstacles in the beginning is helping reframe the way that lawyers are thinking about the purpose of the podcast. And a lot of them will think, how do I make something somebody would want to listen to? And 
I don't think that you need to think too much about that for most lawyers. Like let's take PI attorneys, for example. We have a lot of attorneys in the injury space and they will have say, I want to have a podcast, but that's kind of as baked as the idea is. And they're thinking they're going to have a podcast where they talk about things that are interesting that will be more of a branding tool for them. People will know them as the people who talk about the interesting thing, but they're also lawyers. And for most lawyers, that's not going to be the way we want to go. When somebody shows up to a PI attorney's office, to a PI attorney's website, something happened. It's probably bad to them or someone they love. And they have questions. And our job is to answer those questions. That's why we're making that content. That's why we're writing all of those posts. That's why we're making social media videos. We are trying to let them know who we are a little bit while answering their question, making them feel better making them feel a little bit more comfortable about the bad thing and letting them know we're the experts. We know what we're talking about and get to know us, like us and trust us a little bit. For most attorneys, especially ones who are trying to drive traffic that way, if people are finding you on your website, on your social media, and they have questions, answer those questions with your podcast. Think about it like an FAQ. Here is the answer to your question. Here's what's going to happen next. Here is how we can help you. And then you're not thinking, how do I be entertaining? Not that you shouldn't try to be engaging. Bring yourself to the podcast. Bring your entire personality there. Let them know who their lawyer is going to be. Because this is a journey, and they, I think a lot of them understand this is a journey that could go on for years. And making a decision to sign with you is a big one. And the the more you can do to get over that hump of friction, to getting them to pick up the phone or set that appointment is important. And a podcast goes a really long way to doing that. I love that. And so that, that's something we do with ours, with our firm podcast, where we answer a lot of those questions and it prevents a lot of phone calls. But it also, as soon as you, you call our office, you do get kind of pumped into that pipeline. But one of my favorite things that we do is we, there's a, we have two deposition podcast episodes that we've, we've done. They're five to 10 minutes. And what clients always tell me is they'll say, I listen to the podcast on the way. And this is in addition to the other training that we have. I listen to the podcast on the way to the deposition and it real, really helped solidify those things we talked about. So there's a lot of powerful things that you can do with it. It's not just, you know, trying to bring in clients. It's, it's really not that. And I, I don't use it at all for that. I use it more for the education part of it. But what would you say are some of the hiccups? I won't call them mistakes. We'll call them the hiccups that you see <laughs> some of the attorneys make whenever they try to get into podcasting. The sound quality is usually a really big one. Someone will have told them you should buy a Blue Yeti. And so they're like, you can record everyone on the Blue Yeti. And so they'll buy the Blue Yeti, which no disrespect to Yeti, great mic if you have a good recording environment. And they'll put it in the middle of the table in their conference room, which is probably the worst room in your office to do it. And they'll all sit around it and they'll talk at the microphone. And it sounds like a conference call. And they're echoing all over the walls. It's picking up the lawnmower outside and the neighbor's cat. And and the sound quality will end up being terrible. And that, that's a big one. And that's an easy one to fix. I mean, you know, I'm looking at that MV7 in front of me that Jim is using. That mic, I mean, that's a really good mic. And that mic's just over $200 and it plugs, it's a USB mic. It plugs right in your computer. Anyone can use it. It is plug and play. And now you're going from sounding like you're in a conference room using a speakerphone to sounding like you're a professional podcaster. It's that simple. And there's some that are around 60 bucks that sound almost as good. And so that's a big one. And then another one is not having a plan, is not asking themselves, why am I doing this in the beginning? And so the podcast will start and it'll just be meandering. Every episode won't really have a real specific direction. And I don't think they've thought, okay, why am I doing this? What's the end game? What do I want to happen at the end? Who is the listener? What am I trying to have them do? 
after I'm done. Is this a podcast where I'm driving referrals? I have trial attorneys who have podcasts and the entire point of the podcast is to make content that lawyers will want to listen to, to then brand himself and then drive referrals. And that's a very thought out strategy. And other lawyers are very FAQ based. They really are looking at the SEO angle. They want to answer questions that people are typing into Google that's going to bring them to the page. Then when they land on the page, they're going to have good content that they can interact with that will keep them on the page. And so those are really the big two. I mean, there's a lot of them out there that people could be doing better. But those are two that I think are pretty easy fixes is just take a minute and strategize like any good piece of marketing, you know, because if a lot of them, when you see that podcast, it feels like a random act of marketing that they were like, someone told us we should have a podcast. And so we got a mic and now we have a podcast and it's not on the website. It's like hosted on SoundCloud. It's all these little things that they're not doing well. They, they might be recording it on Zoom. And so the audio quality might be bad and all these little things they could be doing to up that production value. Because when somebody comes to our podcast and it sounds really bad, I think that tells them something about our firm, that we are not taking this seriously. And if we're not taking like our marketing seriously, what else aren't we taking seriously? It, just, it looks like a chink in the armor to me. So I want to jump in real quick. I want to tell a funny story, Jim. So I had my first mic uh, was a Meteor mic and I actually really liked it. It was portable. It's fantastic. But I then upgraded to the Blue Yeti you were talking about and we could never really use it well and I couldn't figure out why. Well, the other day I figured out why. It's been broken for months. I haven't used it in a long time, but I was looking at it. There's these little button options and you're talking about, yeah, exactly. These little button options, right? And about sitting in the room. And I had no idea that was about the positioning of the microphone and where to sit and where to talk. I had no idea, zero idea. So my here's my little point really quick is, Make sure when you get a mic, go through and watch a tutorial on how to use the microphone before you do it, because you're probably using it wrong. Running your own practice can be scary, whether you're worried about where the next case will come from, feeling like you're losing control over your growing firm, or frustrated from being out of touch with everyone working under your license. The stress can be overwhelming. We will show you how to turn that fear into a driving force of clarity, focus, stability, and confidence that eliminates the roller coaster of guilt-ridden second-guessing and mistake-making to get you off that hamster wheel for good. Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time is a step-by-step playbook that shows you how to identify what your firm needs and how to proactively get it at every stage of the game so you are prepped and excited for the inevitable growth that will follow. Name the lifestyle that you want, and we'll show you how to become a Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. Find out more by going to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash course. You're listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Our guest today, Mr. Robert Ingalls, he's the owner and president and grand poobah at Law Pods. Robert, tell us some success stories. Tell us some success stories, particularly maybe about solos or smaller firms where people have gotten into the podcast world and have seen some successes out of it. Sure. One of my early ones was an employment lawyer in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, One of my, probably one of my first 10 clients that really kind of bought into the vision, believed in it and tried it. And to Tyson's point, one of the things that he did exceedingly well with it was he made content for, he did make content that was trying to draw in listeners, answer questions for people who had perhaps been thought they were going to be terminated, just really nurtured those leads before they were even potential clients. But he also made blocks of content for existing clients. Here's what mediation is. Here's what to expect at mediation, really helping the client along their journey and 
talking to him, he said, it's unbelievable. The people who actually listen to those blocks of episodes, because they send them as part of like their case prep as they're working the case, they send an email that's like, hey, these episodes are good at this moment. And he said, the amount of time that we had to spend opening their file went down significantly as opposed to the people who were not using those resources. Because a lot of the questions that they would then call the firm and ask questions and want to figure things out were being answered for them. So they were saving time inside the office just by creating content that was speaking directly. And, you know, that kind of firm is, they're, they're on contingencies. A lot of them aren't getting paid by the hour. Saving is really, really helpful. And then from the perspective, like when you look at injury firms, I have an injury firm that has been using these as a way to capitalize on their existing SEO spend. And we work closely with the SEO company to make sure to think about what kind of content are we making? Where are we placing? What kind of keywords are we using? And the their SEO has grown significantly. And because we're working with the SEO firm, we're able to actually see those numbers a little bit closer and see who's doing what, what kind of content they're interacting with in a much more granular way than you might from just a podcast platform. I love that. Let me ask you something. I think if you, I remember 10 years ago, roughly 10 years ago, actually it wasn't 10 years ago. Maybe it was less than that. John Lee Dumas, I saw him speak at Icon and you know, this was before really podcasting caught on and then it quickly, it rapidly caught on and you know, it's a massive market now. Where do you think podcasting is heading and are there things around the corner that we can get ahead of um, like for example, um, one of the major ones they're doing, they're going back to like video podcasting, which was funny because a long time ago, Apple podcast was big about video podcasting and then it kind of fell off. And I, I wonder is video podcasting going to become a thing again, or are there other things that maybe we should look out for in the future? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think video podcasting is, is back in a big way. People want to consume podcasts on YouTube. We know it. We're seeing it in the numbers. I mean, the, the most recent poll I saw was 25% of listeners want to listen on YouTube. And a, a lot of that reason is they, they're listening at their desk and they're able to bring it up and listen to it while they're doing other stuff. And the having that video angle there is really nice as well. Even if people aren't constantly on the tab consuming the video, it's still very good from a branding perspective. But people want it on YouTube. People want that video angle and they, they want to be able to interact with it. I mean, you're seeing Spotify is going all in on that too. On Spotify, you can now upload your video and audio and switch back and forth. So if you're watching a podcast on your player, you know, like Joe Rogan's the most famous podcast. If you go and pull up his podcast, you can watch it on your screen and then you can just close your screen and it just goes right to audio. Now you're listening to the audio. And I don't think that's going anywhere. I think I'll tell you with audio specifically as well, until Elon figures out how to beam the information directly to our neural link. I think audio is going to be the future. I just, I, I, when it, when it first started to blow up, I think a lot of people said, oh, that's cute. It's like vinyl, right? It's so cute that the audio is coming back. I love to listen to audio, but it's real. We've seen it. It's not this, when you look at the numbers every single year across every demographic, up, 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 ever listened up, monthly listening up, my favorite weekly listening, people who have made it a habit up, 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 up every single year. And the reason is I heard Gary V say this for the first time. It does what no other form of marketing can do. It sells you time. It doesn't say, stop what you're doing and read. Hold on, watch this. It says, what are you about to do? I'm coming with you. 
Just press play. Let's go do it. Let's go learn while we're at the gym. Let's go get entertained while we're walking the dog. Let's consume whatever information and entertainment we want to on our own time without having to divide our attention significantly while we're driving. It keeps, I mean, road trips are the best. Like I get texts from my friends all the time. Hey, I'm going on a road trip. Send me some episodes. What should I listen to? Like, what, what do you think is good that will keep me for eight hours on the road? And, and so I don't think audio is going anywhere. And it's so easy to consume that people really enjoy it. And when like, let's look at lawyers specifically, someone can go to your website, they have some questions and you've got several different episodes pertaining to their exact situation. Now, instead of having to spend another 30 minutes on your website, reading through your information, watching your videos with all your books, they can just click a button. Now they're in their podcast player. They can put it in their pocket and they can keep living their life, keep doing whatever it is that they're doing while they're getting to know you a little bit better. They're getting the information that they wanted. And I, I really, I mean, I kind of felt this way, you know, seven years ago when I got into it and I hoped I was right, but it's not a hope anymore. Like it's clear. The evidence is showing that this is what consumer behavior is shifting to. People are starting to use podcast platforms as a way to get news and as a way to get current information. And those search engines in the podcast platforms are getting more advanced every day. Google's obviously leading the charge being, you know, the, the, king of search over there, but Google Podcasts, they're thinking very much about the search engine inside Google Podcasts as a way to deliver information to people. So consumer behavior shifting there as well. And I'm really excited to see where that goes. I have a little anecdote on John Lee Dumas that was funny for me. He's one of the first podcasts I listened to. And I went to a podcast conference for the first time. I'm sitting in the room and I heard him in the back of the room. And it was surreal to hear someone I'd probably listened to for a hundred hours just like behind me. And then my second thought was, man, he talks really slow in person. And then like, then immediately after I was like, oh, I listen on 2X. So I'm used to him like, go, 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 go. All right, Robert, I have a lot of thoughts and things I'd want to share, but I'm going to ask my last question. And that is, what tips do you have for people to promote their podcast? Tyson and Beck and I are starting to do a little bit more. I'm wondering if you have any tips for us about our podcast, but in general, how do you instruct your clients, the, the people that do pods with you to promote their podcast? Oh, I have so many tips. You might have to rein me in. So one of the big ones is video. I think having the video on YouTube is great. Second biggest search engine in the world. Make sure you're there. Make sure you're optimizing. You should have your keywords and your chapters. Make sure that you're thinking about your SEO score on YouTube with your podcast video. Make sure you're tying that back to the original piece of content on your website. All very important things. Make sure it's on your website. I see that done by lawyers terribly a lot is they will have a podcast and they, if it is on their website, it might be listen to our podcast and then you have to leave the website to do it. That's not what we want. That's not going to help your SEO. You want to keep people on the page. Don't make them leave. Let them stay if they want to. And so make sure it's on the page, make sure it's organized. Well, write some show notes, use the transcript. Those are all really good ways. Then take that video that you've made from capturing it on a platform like Riverside. Cut it up into little 60 second, 90 second clips, even maybe longer ones if they're impactful. Put some branding on that. And now you're dropping those on YouTube. You can use shorts on YouTube. If you're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you're most active, start sharing those clips with the branding on them on those different platforms. And what that does on social media is, you know, when you go to social media and you drop a link, people will tell me, I'll say, how are you promoting your podcast? They'll say, well, we publish an episode and then we go put the link and tell people we have a new episode. And two things are happening there. One, it's getting suppressed because links just tend not to get as much reach and because they drive people off the platform. But two, 
think about the friction involved in seeing a new podcast episode and only knowing really the title and maybe a quick blurb and then saying, I'm going to stop what I'm doing, which is probably mindlessly scrolling and just go in this new direction with this podcast. It's just a pretty high bar there to get over. But what we do when we make this micro content, these little video clips with branding on them with good headlines that tell people what this is about, and then we have captions on it as well, is it's the kind of thing that A, gets shown by the platforms because they promote that kind of content because it gets engagement. And they go by, they stop, and they see the headline, they see the branding. And even if they keep moving, they've seen our branding, like we're branding to them, which is super important. But they can see the captions. They don't have to take an action. They don't have to touch the screen. If it doesn't have captions... You can look at the research. They're going to keep moving. And so those captions, they can read it for a second. They can see the headline, read the captions, and then they start to qualify themselves. They go, oh, that's actually for me a little bit. I might want to know more. They keep watching. They might tap the screen. Now they can hear you. And then at the end, they might go, I need to know more about that. You've converted a listener in a way that that link was very rarely going to do. And then you're using quote images that you can share on platforms. And those little things are going to go get you a lot of mileage from your podcast. And you can turn or you can take that episode. We do this. We'll take the episode and we'll turn it into long form written content that we're you know, trying to SEO optimize. And lawyers, send, well, they'll send them as newsletters. They'll break it up into a newsletter and say, hey, here is something. If you're the kind of lawyer who that type of marketing angle works for you, this can be really impactful. We have a client that has a podcast the entire point of the podcast it's in business securities is to educate existing clients. That's it. Every two weeks you get a update from your lawyer, just a quick 10, 15 minute hit from your lawyer telling you, Hey, here's my thing. And there's so many different ways you can, you can use paid ads behind your stuff. When you make those little videos, those are great for paid ads to push out there to people. So, I mean, I, I told you you had to rein me in. I'll go, I'll go for a long time on that one. No, that's great. It's it's kind of like using it like Jim's newsletter in a way. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, and it's a great idea. All right. We do have to wrap things up though. Uh, we are over time, but it's, uh, as long as you're okay with it, we're okay with it. I'll do that to you. Fantastic. And it's great. That's It, it makes a good guess. So I'm going to wrap things up. Remind everyone to join us in the big Facebook group. Just search Maximum Lawyer in Facebook. Make sure you also like us on Instagram, follow us on Instagram, um, all the other major platforms. Uh, we have some cool social media stuff going on there as well. And if you're interested in a more high level conversation, join us in the guild, go to maxlawguild.com. And as you're hearing our tips and our hacks, if you don't mind giving us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate it. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? For my hack of the week, it's a book that I just finished reading. It's called Loving Kindness by Sharon Salzberg. It's a great book on how we're all connected and how we can move through the world a little bit more deliberately and a little bit more kindly. I enjoyed it and I recommend it highly. I'm going to read it probably two more times. Very good. Wow. Two more times. Look at you, big timer. It's awesome. Uh, all right, Robert, uh, you know the routine. Do you have a tip or a hack for us? I'll tell you, I mean, just lately things I've been doing that I've been listening to, um, Personal Injury Mastermind. I like that podcast a lot. Chris Dreyer is doing some really fun stuff over there on that podcast. Books that I have found really impactful for myself when I was a lawyer. I think Mindset may have been one of the best books I ever read that just knock my socks off and help me look at the world in a very different way. And, you know, those are two that I've been up to. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Those are two things just lately that have been on my mind. So I'm going to give you a tip. That's really good, by the way, Robert. Uh, that's, I'm going to give I'm gonna give everybody a tip on um, stress management. So yesterday, Amy gave a presentation to the firm on stress management and she had really good tips. And I've noticed that 
my desk has become more and more cluttered as the, as the, each day goes by. And I've noticed that my stress level increases every day that it gets more and more cluttered. And one of her tips was clean your freaking desk. And, um, that was really, that was for everybody. It wasn't directed at me, although it probably should have been directed at me. And, uh, so one of my focuses this week is getting my desk completely cleared off and clean, which is more difficult because we are putting in a new studio next to my desk, but it'll be done and be good and be clean. So, um, that is my tip of the week. So Robert, uh, I will tell you what I, uh, Jim and I could probably talk to you for hours. This is a lot of fun. Really enjoy it. Uh, I actually took some notes. Um, so really cool stuff. Thank you so much. Hey, absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Thanks Robert. Thanks for listening to the maximum lawyer podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to maximumlawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.